Welcome back to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we focus on the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the ego of all the people at the table. I am one of your hosts, DM Neil, aka Jokemoniac. And I am one of your other hosts, and the only other one of your hosts, DM Mitch. <laughs> Yep, we ran out of hosts. We got to two, and we we're yeah. fresh out. <laughs> and our other host is... Nope. <laughs> oh, look, Hinju! The silent oh. monk is back with us today. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, no, no. He is not. He is not. He was. He has his one, uh, one time a year that he can go on his computer. We all know this. And so today, we are going to be talking about play-by-post gaming. And we have Ro from GamersPlane.com here to talk with us about that. But before we start talking about what is play-by-post gaming and what the pros and the cons of play-by-post gaming are, Neil, we have some five-star reviews to read. I'll kick it off with a five-star review from Big Dimmerest. And he has clearly watched enough Aladdin as his post is entitled, A Whole New World. <laughs> I am not going to try and sing it. I thought I would, and then I was Come like, yeah, on. no, no. It is a whole new world. Shining, if you want to hear Neil Splinter. sing, just go back to the last Christmas episode. Yeah. Or, yeah, or we put a new Patreon level at 10,000, and I'll go right ahead. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we could just have, like, a, an album that you sing the oh, entire, like, greatest hits of Neil Powell. Oh, I, I think, think this is going to happen. Oh. <laughs> I'm so sorry, but I think this is going to happen. Okay. I have been a DM for about a year and found this podcast a few months ago. What a find. I love how you teach listeners to look at everything they love around them and find a way to put it into their game world. From video games, cartoons, movies, fairy tales, and fables, you have shown me how all the nerdy things I love are basically building my D&D world for me keep the show going i also love that you keep it classy and clean yeah, yeah. <laughs> classy keep it classy san diego yeah. <laughs> i know you guys don't know this but we actually have three-piece suits that we wear the entire time yes that we, we record do. that's how it's so classy there is a uniform uh yeah. for podcasting so <laughs> i'm not gonna lie if you made me do that i would quit immediately i would <laughs> i would be done i would i would <laughs> disband immediately <laughs> awesome but thank you big demarest we really appreciate that review yes neil you're gonna love this next one this one's from names greek and it <gasps> says watch out five stars as a listener i look forward to each new episode as a dm i voraciously take notes and am constantly inspired to create and as a podcaster i have a great respect and appreciation for the quality and professionalism that these guys bring to the genre. Lastly, any podcast that can simultaneously talk about Samurai Jack and D&D in the same episode has earned every freaking star and then some. <laughs> and yeah, that, of course, awesome. is from Joshua, also known, better known as Greyk from the Sneak Attack podcast. So thank you. Thank you, Joshua. Thank yes. you, Greyk. We really appreciate that. Yeah, definitely go check them out. They are awesome. Well, with that, let's head into the meat. I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Why can't we have some meat? Carve it up! Fist the mouthful! No! Looks like meat back on the menu, boys! 
today for the meet, we are joined by Rohit Sodia. I think I got that right. Yep. Who is the creator and owner of GamersPlane.com. And today, of course, like we already mentioned, we'll be talking about play-by-post games. So welcome to the show, Ro. Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So before we begin talking about play-by-post gaming and what that is exactly and how you do it and the pros, the cons, all that great stuff, we're going to ask you a couple questions as we do with every one of our guests. So first off, Ro, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I am actually a web developer by profession, and it's kind of what has led me to building Gamers Plane as well. I've been doing RPGs for, yeah, I don't know, 12, 14-something-ish years, hmm. so it's been quite a while, uh, and yeah, it's it's been quite a trip. Awesome. So can you tell us a little bit about Gamers Plane specifically? So GamersPlane.com is a play-by-post RPG community. It's basically a, a play-by-post site where I put more of a focus on the actual community and players than the gameplay. As an analog to you know face-to-face RPG games, I find it's a lot more about the people at your table than it is the game you're actually playing. Mm-hmm. As someone who has three games on gamers playing right now i think it's awesome (laughs) so for those listeners who are already familiar with gamers playing and familiar with what you have available to them on gamersplane.com are you working on anything new or are you working on branching out what's going on with the future of gamersplane.com for those who don't know about gamers playing specifically i like to have up character sheets for every system we have on the site So I put up digital versions of the physical character sheet you'd be using if you were playing in real life. I got super lucky, and I reached out to John Wick Presents, and I'll be getting a copy of their 7th C's character sheet a little bit early, and the goal is to have that ready as soon as everyone gets their books so people will be able to jump into the game straight away. That might be the biggest thing I'm looking forward to in the near future. That is really cool. I mean, it was a little bit successful. You know, that Kickstarter that raised over uh, like one and a half million yeah. dollars. But the one where the number never stopped growing. Seven Seas yeah. Kickstarter. Yeah. Never heard of it. <laughs> you said you got into role-playing games about 12 to 14 years ago. How did that come about? Is it the classic older brother, cousin story or something more interesting? <laughs> if his answer is older brother now, you've made it It was so too boring. late. I had already thought of all the words uh, and I said it. Because, man, that's boring. Please, if that is, just yeah, make something well, up for well, us. Well, I'm the older brother, so it would be hard for my older brother, who doesn't exist, to have gotten me in. Right. See, but that would be an interesting <laughs> story. Uh, actually, back in high school, a group of friends, we usually hung out during lunch. They were absently missing from our table. I went to go find them, spotted them in the library, and they were sitting around a bunch of weird-looking books with a bunch of papers in front of them. And I had no idea what was going on, and I <laughs> randomly ended up in a game of Dungeons & Dragons 3rd Edition. Fantastic. And so we have, as we do with all of our guests, a surprise question for you today. You have no idea what this upcoming question is. This one comes from one of our Patreon dragons, specifically Gold Dragon, DM Kaido. Mm. And DM Kaido asks you, Ro, for your real job, if your boss said you had to start wearing armor to work... What kind of armor would you wear? This is like three questions in one, but hey, <laughs> he's a gold dragon, so we got to we, we gotta let him do this. Uh, what kind of armor would you wear? What would you do to make the armor work friendly or help you get your job done? Well, 
if we're going to talk in D&D parlance, I definitely have to go with something lightish. I've always been a fan of the studded mm-hmm. leather. Provides your maximum dexterity while maximum protection. Uh, and being a web developer, I need to move around a bit to, you know, get that code into place. So my dex score has got to stay high. I got to say that I probably, uh, to make it work friendly, I probably have to paint a tie on the front. Because that's the closest anyone gets to being formal in my office. A painted yes. tie. Wait, that's the closest you get to formal in studded leather armor. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Now I'm imagining like those t-shirt tuxes. Yeah. Only like a studded, studded, studded leather version, version of that. Awesome. <laughs> that I think that might just have to be an NPC in some game I put up now. I think so. I think so. <laughs> Your formal uh, studded awesome. leather, sir. <laughs> right. <laughs> Fantastic. So let's talk about play-by-post gaming. So I think first of all, all of us have experience in play-by-post gaming to some degree. Ro, I mean, you've already shared, I mean, you've run a a play-by-post gaming website. (laughs) So that's quite the experience in itself. Have you played in play-by-post games then? Yes. Actually, when I first got to college, I was having trouble finding a RPG group as I had a very, very hard first experience with the college's RPG group. And it kind of set me off from ever going back to them. (laughs) And so I joined a play-by-post site because I needed an RPG fix. My experience was terrible. (laughs) It kind of spurred me on to create Gamers Plane. Uh, Although at the time it wasn't called that. It was something entirely different. Cannot remember what anymore. That site just kept failing and getting rebuilt and eventually became Gamers Plane. And I do play on Gamers Plane, you know, even now. Yeah, awesome. What about you, Neil? Experience with play-by-post gaming. I mean, I've done a little bit, and then it was only actually recently with Gamers Plane that I got more into it. Also being a little bit later in life and adulting that the play-by-post became more popular for me because I can only do my normal sessions like once a month. But what's interesting is I just started one with the two other hosts of the podcast so i'm in one that chris is running and phil is a player in so i'm really excited wait you you started playing this game and you didn't invite that, me no I'm just that would be chris invited. that did not invite you i'm not in charge of this game chris oh no me. we're breaking up this is weird oh. <laughs> but no it's been it's been a lot of fun so i have that one and then also another forum user that um, is running a star wars Uh, Edge of the Empire one. So it's really interesting to be able to see both systems run through the play-by-post method at the same time. I I count myself lucky that I've never actually been at a point in life yet, yet, and I say yet, (laughs) that I I don't have a home group to play, like, in person with. So my experience with play-by-post has been because... I run a podcast about D&D, and so I'm like, I need to do this so I can learn about this. So my first experience was running as being a DM of a Twitter campaign, which some of the listeners will remember me talking about a long time ago, and then recently being within the past year an ongoing Hired Heroes Facebook Hmm. play-by-post campaign. So that is what my experience has been and hired heroes is still going and yes they are we are we will have more episodes coming it just takes a while so <laughs> but more on that later so that's that's kind of our experience in play by post gaming let's explain for those listeners who maybe aren't familiar with what play by post gaming is like how does play by post gaming exactly work the idea behind play by post is 
rather than being face-to-face or using a live active chat system, you post to a forum where you have other, where you have players and GMs likewise. Typically, you'll have one specific forum set up for your game, and you'll end up typing out and writing descriptions for all of your actions rather than necessarily saying them aloud or other things. And it creates a unique environment where you have a lot of time to think about your actions, think about how you want to respond to things, because it's better suited for when you have time to actually post. You're not on an onus to get stuff going all the time. So for people who might be busy or might just want to fit a little bit more RPG in their lives, it's a pretty convenient method. Yeah, and so, I mean, I mean, the first thing would be if you want to do play-by-post gaming, you need to figure out what your platform is, whether that's Gamers Plane, Facebook, Twitter. Gamers Plane is, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but it's very forum-like, yes? Yes, it is a custom-built forum. Yeah, so like a forum setting, that kind of thing. And you have to find players, you have to find a DM if you're going to play. And then, yeah, it's, it's just post when you can or on your turn. I suppose that... In that sense, it can be very much in the sense of, well, we're going to choose this day to be the day that we want to be active. Or it can just be, hey, post whenever you can. That's kind of uh, how the game works. It, uh, that's that's a question I have for you guys. In the games that you've played, has it been, have you guys set times for when you're supposed to be active on the in the game? Or has it just been a post whenever you're able to kind of thing? I think for every play-by-post game that... Whoever is involved needs to create a very explicit structure for posting. It doesn't matter the format because as long as everyone's on board with how much posting is happening, then it works well. I mean, if I'm a Mm -hmm. guy that can only post once a day and then everybody else can post 10 times a day, it's probably not going to work. But if you can, but if you establish that there needs to be one or 10 posts a day and that's just the, the, how you start things out then it just works better just and it's similar to being at a table as long as everyone's on the same page of the structure of the game and how it should work then it well it works yeah and i've seen that by and large i think people go with the dm is going to post updates every so often and so out of combat situations post as you will and in combat situations you post in turn I think, uh, like you mentioned, one of the things is you need to figure out how often your game is going to get posted. Like on Gamers Plane, when you're signing up for a game, we have um, a little indicator of how many posts per day or per week are expected. So that gives you an upfront view of, you know, maybe this game isn't my speed or maybe I'm going to outpace everybody. And that's one of the big things is you need to know, does the GM and do the other players expect that I'm going to be making one post a week? three posts a day, whatever it might be. Why would somebody choose play-by-post gaming as opposed to sitting at a table with people in RL, in real life? Why play a play-by-post game? Play-by-post definitely leans to people with busier lives, people who might not have local groups that they can meet up with as often as they want. And so it allows you to get RPG on a more flexible schedule. If you're sitting down with a real-life group, you have to set around four, six hours where, okay, we're going to sit down, we're going to meet, we're going to play a game. And, you know, basically that's time set aside specifically for role-playing. It's absolutely great. But if you can't do that, maybe, you know, you have a kid, you have a job that doesn't allow it, you're far away. 
then play by post is well i got 10 minutes before work i'm gonna go through and update my posts or just got home from work i've got 10 minutes i'm gonna go through everything whenever you can fit in a few minutes you can play a play by post game and even if you have a real life group maybe they don't play a system you want to try or maybe they've never even heard of it or maybe they just don't give you enough rpgs you might want so it's always uh play by post is a way to i personally feel it's a way to augment your role playing i don't think it'll ever replace face to face or video whatever that might be but it is a role play iv line that keeps you going at all times <laughs> i like awesome. that that's deep yeah. That was a, it's funny you mention it because like that was going to be my specific point to get across to people is that play by post. I don't think anyone's in, intent, your intent as the creator and owner of gamersplane.com or anyone else that's making it to replace the physical table. But like you said, it's that augmentation and that's definitely what it is for me because like I said, I can only play with my actual group once a month, but then I'm posting every day inside of multiple games, making a stronger connection to people that otherwise I absolutely could not play a game with. Like that's the other thing is that there's, I would otherwise I would just not be afforded that opportunity to play with half a dozen people off of the forums now. And it's people around the world, which is one thing digital gaming has really done for us in general. Roll20, Google Hangouts, you can play with people literally on the other side of the planet. And sometimes that can, if it's face-to-face over the internet, it can be a little weird if, you know, cultures and things like that come in the way. But I remember some guy recently joined on Gamers Plane from France, and he was worried about his English not being good. But I actually would not have even guessed that he was foreign based on his initial post. And doing play by post allows you to kind of step back. And because you can see what you're, you know, take time to type and think things through, you can kind of step away and be whoever you want to be online without necessarily, uh, you know, mixing in your own real personal life into it. So it kind of lets you separate out too, which is, I think a lot of people could appreciate. Yeah, and even beyond that sense of you could meet people from all around the world and create friendships, like being a friend with somebody all the way across the world that you would never have connected with any other way. The older we get, the more the more adulting we do in life, the more we get to a point where we see friends who move away. And uh, those of us who play with our friends in real life, like the fact that we're all going to be in the same town, able to play the same role-playing game around the same table is not the reality for most people. But now we're in an age where friends can move away and it's like, man, I miss playing role-playing games with them. And you can still do that. You can still take the time through play by post gaming through roll 20, those kind of things. And you can play with them. And I think this all boils down to like, why would you play a play by post game? And it's just this, well, because you want more role-playing games in your life, whether that's you've moved to a new place, which we we know we've had people write in and say, I've moved to a new town. I don't have a group to play with. What can I do? Can somebody help me? Like, play-by-post gaming is a fantastic answer to that, to still have role-playing games in your life, to create a community. And I, I love that, Ro, you shared, like, community is something that you're trying to build with gamersplane.com. Like, not just, here's a, here's a site, you can play a game, but hey, Let's have a community of gamers together that are welcoming people in and saying, yeah, you want to play a game? Come on in. We're here for you. That's what we love. Let's all love this together and play 
online together. And then some of us love role playing so much that it's like, yeah, I do have a home group, but I need more. <laughs> like I want to I want to be able to whenever I can type in gamersplane.com or Twitter or Facebook or whatever you're playing on and go, I can interact in a role playing game. It, it's absolutely fantastic and you know, like uh, like you mentioned and what I was saying earlier is that community I always feel like role playing games are not about like I said, not about the game you're playing, but it's the people you're playing with, which is why even when you go to a convention, it's all right, you you meet someone you'd never, ever met before, and you sit down and instantly you're playing a game because you share a connection. And I think that's important on the internet. When you can't see someone's face, you can't see their reactions, you have to build some way that people can get along together. And yeah, Gamers Plane is all about meeting other gamers, and then, oh yes, you can also play games. One of the things I am working on, you mentioned don't want to replace real-life gaming. I want to set up a system where people on Gamers Plane, if they like playing play-by-post together, maybe they can meet up in real life, set up something, find yeah. gamers within you know, 10, 20, 30 miles. I think that play-by-post is great, but it should always be used to make a role player's life more rather than take it over. So uh, there is, I think we would all agree, and we've talked about how the point of play-by-post gaming is not to replace real face-to-face gaming, playing with people in person, like hopefully that bridges a gap with some people, and like you just said, hopefully that even leads to people, whether it's, you know, play-by-post gaming comes first, and then eventually you're able to play with these people in real life or it's people who you used to be able to play with in real life and now you're able to continue that relationship and continue play by post gaming i think all of that said there is a difference between playing in real life and play by post gaming uh and i think there are some there are cons to to that and there are also really big pros to that so let's talk about the differences let's talk about the real cons of play by post gaming things that and i believe a lot of these are cons with the stipulation of this could be a con if you're not doing it correctly but let's talk about the the cons to play by post gaming at first well i guess uh one of the big things is play by post is slow uh, a lot of people expect role-playing games to move at a certain pace and a lot of people get frustrated with play by post because, for example, in the game I'm in right now, I think it's been up about a month, and we've basically gotten through one fight and talked to the opening NPC. And all of that would have probably taken 20 minutes, if not less, in a live game. So the pacing of play-by-post is really, really slow, just because you're waiting on people to react. Someone might be busy a few days, someone might have a work emergency, someone might have a personal emergency... And that means your game essentially might grind to a halt while you're waiting for things to catch up. So you have to be prepared for a very different pacing. Time can be a con with play-by-post gaming, especially what I've learned in my own experiences. I actually enjoy play-by-post gaming a lot more when battle is off the table. (laughs) Because battle, I think, has been the thing that for me when i when i dm play by post gaming is the hardest if you're running through a scenario with an npc you can just kind of let players when they get a chance they can be the one to actually answer the npc's question or ask the npc a question or even if you're going through some storyline players can post when they are able to but when you're doing battle you need it to be well it's your turn 
and it's your turn and it's your turn. So sometimes you get stuck, like you said, waiting on a specific person to take their turn. And battle has been excruciating long at some points for play by posts. Now, that said, I'm a lover of story in role playing games. And so to me, the idea of we're not going to do battle that much in this game is not that much of a con to me. In fact, part of me is like, what if we played a whole game and there wasn't battle? That's kind of interesting. Some people might not like that. Some people battle is really, really important to them. But I mean, that that is a time is definitely in some aspects. Time is a con. I think it, it kind of came up with both of your guys' answers, but the pacing and if people aren't on the same page with the pacing kind of I had mentioned it before, but it's even, it's difficult to then try and get people back on the same page with pacing. You I mean, if you're all in front of each other, it's a little bit easier to have that discussion. But then if someone can post all the time and it's exciting, it's awesome. You're getting to play more RPGs, like trying to calm yourself down and not post is nigh (laughs) impossible because it's such, it's such a great format to get to do something that we all love, but like getting everyone really on the same page with the structure and pacing and everything is, can be difficult at times, especially because you may not know these people very well and how to interact and try and bring, bring i don't want to say bring everyone in line because that sounds (laughs) crack the whip as a dm and all that stuff that's not what i'm (laughs) intending but you guys get it like just getting everyone on the same page i think that you bring up another interesting point too is that some people will post way more actively than others will post and i think a con there can be that some of the pcs might end up through the fact that their player posts more than the other player overshadowing the other pcs and I think, it, you know, that can that can happen at a real life gaming table as well. But I know for me as a DM, it's like at a real table, I can kind of have a little bit more hands on of that approach in a play by post game. Like, what do you do? Just like, hey, you need to stop posting as much like as you are. And I guess that can be a solution. But I think the solution to both of these, if it is becoming a problem, is to have like we talked about early on a almost like fixed schedule like everybody needs to strive to be active to do at least five posts a day we need to have a a little bit of a structure to make sure that everybody is getting the spotlight equally hopefully i think another big thing is definitely languages and cultures for play by post because a big part of how we interact as people is you look at faces you look at body language and you know you know how to react to that but when you've just got text on a page, reactions are based strictly off of what you read. And I know plenty of times I've seen someone post something and realize, you know, I might have taken offense to it or I might have taken it in a way where in reality they didn't mean it just because that's not what they were writing. They were writing in the way they would have written regardless. The way I would have written it would have been different. And reading intention in just words is very very difficult and so it can lead to an interesting dynamic where someone might not be posting a lot but that's just because either their character is kind of mute or they don't really do anything or someone might be posting a ton and it sounds really terrible but you know i've even interacting with some of my friends in ireland i'm like okay these guys have a very a much more active uh What's the what's the right polite term for this? They are very <laughs> energetic. We'll put it that way. 
versus, you know, a lot of us might, like, approach something a little more calmly. So the intention's the same, but, you know, everyone's just, you have to figure out where that balance is between different people, whether it's, I mean, in your country, out of your country, around the world, wherever. Getting offended at something that wasn't meant to be offensive, that wasn't written in an offensive way. Sometimes it's like weird grammar things that can make the whole difference. Like a, a comma being placed or not placed can lead to somebody reading something in a different way and being like, well, that was totally a jerky thing to say. And that's not at all what the person was trying to say. And I mean, that's that's something hard that if it's not openly talked about, it can lead to some problems and and yeah it's you're not seeing facial expressions you're not hearing tone and inflection and voices to a degree you lose some of that table talk as well and even like the joking which sometimes that can actually be a pro because some groups have that so much to the point where it's like we don't even get the play because we're <laughs> also distracted and we're all you know but part of that experience of role-playing Sometimes it's it's really fun to be making those jokes and everything like that. And uh, that can still happen, but not in the same way as at a table. Yeah, it's. I think that is definitely a big thing that play by post, we have to remember, by and large, takes place on threads in a forum. And you know, I can say, for example, the games I'm in right now, we have RP threads, out-of-character threads, and maybe like a chat thread. And so it gets interesting where, you know, you're posting something and you realize, well, actually, no, I need to ask a question. So you leave that particular thread and you go to the other thread to ask the question and you have to wait for the GM to respond before you can actually post, even though you might have just been asking, oh, do I have advantage on this role or not? It's a very minor thing, but you're like, well, now I have a four hour wait while I need to figure out what in the world my character is actually supposed to do. <laughs> so you, a lot of it comes down to either posting and hoping you're doing things right and then waiting for the GM to correct or just kind of winging it or waiting on an answer while, you know, you kind of twiddle your thumbs in a manner of speaking. It can be a little frustrating. So we talked a little bit about the cons of play-by-post gaming. Uh, I'm really excited to talk about the pros because I think there are a lot of things that you can do in a play-by-post gaming that you actually can't do as much in a real life at the table gaming environment that uh, even if you do have a home group, this is a reason why I would encourage people to try this out. Uh, so let's talk about what are the benefits to play by post gaming. So I will start by saying play by post gaming allows you to role play in ways you could never do in real life. Yes. It allows you to open up and be free in remarkable, remarkable ways the first thing is definitely, yeah, slow pacing is a downside, but slow pacing means that you have time to sit there and think about what your character would do to really yeah. place yourself into your character and write out a great story. I've had so many times at the table where I'm playing in real life and I'm like, man, I, you know, I'll have a, a question presented to me by one of the other PCs or I will have a an NPC do something with me. And this goes for as a DM as well. And we're having to role play NPCs where I'm just like, guys, I don't, you know, I don't know right off the top of my head what my answer would be for this, what this character's answer would be. I'm trying to figure out what this guy would say. And with play by post gaming, 
you don't have to react immediately when somebody brings up a question or brings up a scenario. You can take some time and really contemplate what does my character actually think about this? What is he actually going to react like? What is he going to say in this situation? And in that even, you can take the time to write out something that he says and you can have a character like speak a little bit more elegantly, just in character better than you might in the split decision making that sometimes you need to do at a table. I was in a game that's not running anymore, but I was playing a dwarf and the ability to sit there and really choose and make the things that I say as RP as possible, both with inflection, even from the way it's typed out. And it was funny because like the other players were having difficulty understanding what I was saying. And I was like, well, that's perfect. I have a strong, my intent is to have this character have a strong enough accent that you have trouble also going on the internet, (laughs) looking up dwarven curse words, because that's hilarious to me (laughs) and putting those in and just looking up different, just ideas on how to make that, language exactly what i want it to be where i would be probably very uncomfortable to try that on the fly at a table without a lot of practice i think that play by post gaming offers us all a very immersive gameplay experience a very immersive storytelling experience Uh, you can really get into the mindset behind your pc a, a DM that's running a play-by-post gaming experience can really get descriptive in a way that they feel like honors the the setting they're in, the NPC that they're meeting. Like, really, they can take the time to paint that picture that they really want to. And as as DMs, like, there's plenty of times where we have to just pull something out of our butt on the fly because it's like, oh, like, the players want to do this. I have not planned for this in a play by post gaming setting. You can sit back and you can go, I wasn't planning for this at all, but I am not being thrown under the bus going. I need to come up with something on the fly right this second. I can, I can take a couple minutes. I can take an hour. I can take some time and go, yeah, I want to, I want this to be well thought out. I want it to be described. Well, I want to paint that picture for this NPC that they are trying to now they want to go to this place and meet this NPC that I didn't plan for, but you have time to do that and give it, give it the honor and the time that you may not be able to get in a real life tabletop game. Absolutely. Play by post, in my opinion, is communal storytelling. And because when you're playing a game face to face, in my opinion, you're playing a story together. I think when you're doing play-by-post, you're telling a story together because you have the time to post out more succinct, accurate, however you want to phrase it, posts that are essentially little paragraphs in a ever-growing story. And you know, likewise to what we were saying earlier, that a con is that you can't see people's faces and their reactions and use that to guide your steps. At the same way, people can't see you. And so that means that, I mean, we all make judgments from people based on what we see, especially if it's someone you've just met, someone you don't know well. The difference is online. If I can't see your face, if you can't see my face, you don't know who I am. You can only judge based on who I'm playing as. So it's easier for me to adopt a new persona, to adopt the persona of, you know, a barbarian, of a dwarf, of a halfling of whatever it might be, an alien. 
I can be someone different because you can't see me. You can't judge me. You don't know who I am or why I'm doing this. And so I am just the character doing what the character would do regardless of anything else. If I want to play a sneaky, lying, conniving rogue, but in real life, every time that I lied, every time that I try to be sneaky, well, I'm a terrible liar in real life. I'm a, I cannot keep a straight face. So if I want to keep something from the other players with my backstory or something that I'm planning on doing and they see me smirking or grinning or just holding in a chuckle or just like they can just see my <laughs> my eye is twitching whatever it is that the tell is that it's like you're a terrible liar like what are you thinking like that's not going to happen in a play by post gaming you can write your character in a way that he can be a a really skilled liar a really sneaky sneaky character i mean we always put on masks and faces and everything you know anytime you do something where you want to get away from who you are whether you put on a mask, you put on makeup, something, you can pretend to be someone else. That's basically what this does. Like, one thing on Gamers Plane is when you're posting, you can choose to post as your character, and then your character's avatar shows up, and all of the forms look like chat bubbles, and so it nice. looks like your character is talking. And so, in that way, my idea behind that was it lets you become your character more, and it looks like you're talking as your character, yeah. so that encourages you to really be your character while you're in that game i like that i like that a lot it's like the anonymity of the internet is being used for good rather than evil <laughs> we have so many cases where it's used for bad things every yep. e every egg that's on twitter speaking hate and random nonsense it's so e yeah it's so easy to hate on things yeah. when it's like you can hide behind the shield of the internet it's seen as such a bad thing in a lot of spaces yeah but here it's like what if I'm, I mean, what if I'm just so afraid of being in a social interaction, that, mm -hmm. but I love RPGs and everything. Now, play by post, I can play. You know, and I'm very, you know, just very uncomfortable. Or maybe I'm physically disabled and going to a table or getting yeah. out of my house and going places is very difficult for me. Now I can just log into my computer. I can pull up my phone, my tablet. doesn't matter. I can play by post so hey good job played by post yeah. for using the anonymity of the internet for good not evil the other one that i was thinking is the ability to divide and conquer as both dm and players that you can create separate forums for separate things that happen in real life if you're at your table and for whatever reason mitch convinces the group to split apart because apparently that's what he likes oh, to do Oh, you beat me to the punch of talking about this <laughs> keep going okay well you can jump right on but i mean half the party goes here half the party goes there you're not playing this awkward game of you guys go sit in the other room and or yeah. just or just don't metagame, please. And it's right? which is hard. I mean, it's a hard thing to ask people, but sometimes you have to. This, you're just like, all right, and off you go. You're in your own thread. And the same point even further is that the individual players, like you said, the sneaky person can just private message the DM. Mm -hmm. And you can have a huge discourse completely behind the scenes. Neil, you're, you're hitting so many topics that I think are so important and so awesome about play-by-post play gaming. So I'm going to save the splitting the party and my thoughts on that uh, because I think that, that the best has to be saved for the end. Okay. <laughs> but, yeah, let's talk, let's talk about that, like, messaging thing. Like, the metagaming, you can wipe away so many things that you can't 
wipe away at being at a table together perception checks insight checks knowledge checks when i've run games that are play by post gaming and i want somebody like somebody wants to know if they are like they want to be like i want to know if this npc is lying i've told them like don't say in the like chat don't say like i want to roll an insight check for this guy i rolled a 18 message me and be like my character's kind of unsure about where this character lies and things like can i roll an insight check i mean i roll insight checks for people so that i can be like so i'll roll the insight check you won't know what you rolled and i will just tell you so you can just role play whether you failed or not because quite often we see the dice number and we go i know that i failed so i'm going to figure out a way that my character can believe that he is lying even though the dice made it seem like my character does think that he's telling the truth but um yeah you can do that like in messaging and then different players can have their pcs be at different points with what they think and you can have better role-playing opportunities of well why do you why do you not trust this person like well you didn't see me roll that inside check you didn't see me like roll that perception check it opens up such awesome role-playing opportunities and it gets rid of some of the metagaming that you can't get away from no matter how hard you're actively trying at a table this has been one of those things I've actually been thinking a lot about as a developer because what I wrote Gamers Playing, the idea was bring the tabletop experience to the digital web as much as you can do on uh, physically put it on the internet. And so, for example, I have a thing when you roll up, uh, when you roll dice on the forum, you can choose to hide certain parts of it. You might hide the result or hide what the actual roll is yeah. or hide everything. And so people will see that you made a roll, but they have no idea why or what it's about. Hmm. And something that someone brought up recently was, well, why not just make it completely invisible? And something struck me. We're on the web. Yeah, I want to bring a tabletop experience to the internet, but we can break a lot of rules of, in a sense, reality when we're on a digital scope versus when we're on a physical scope. Because like you just pointed out, not every role has to be known. We can make private missing roles. We have a feature to send notes in a post to players or GMs. Right now, if someone sends a post, it doesn't show up at all unless you're the sender or the recipient. And I was considering, well, if we were in a real-life situation and you pass a note, you see a note physically getting passed. You might not know what's on it, but you know something's going on. And I was considering adding that in that, you know, it said someone passed a note. But someone brought up, why? It's a secret note. No one should know that it even existed. This is just part of what's going on. It's invisible. I like that. I mean, because at the at the table, I know I've done that where I will always, if I am a player, I will always try and sit next to the person running the game because I want to and I want to use that to my <laughs> advantage. And there have been several times where like the whole group will just start having like this huge discussion and I will just have a secret conversation with the DM or GM and end up doing something completely unawares to them. So I think I, I really like having that stuff completely hidden because like it's already mentioned, like the RP that comes from that because the other people really don't know what they sh wouldn't know if they were those yeah. characters is such an awesome benefit for the play by post systems. 
Well, and another aspect of that is when you guys have DM'd games in real life, have you ever had there be like a mystery to part of your story that you're like really excited to watch the reactions of the player? And before you even get really started with what the mystery is, one of the players at the table out of character is just like, oh, you know what? I bet that this ogre is actually a wizard in disguise or something along those lines <laughs> and completely blow your spot and blow this blow this wind out of the sails of your story. And it's just like, yeah, that is exactly what it is. And that's awesome for you. Like pat yourself on the back. I suppose that you figure that out, but you just ruined it for everybody <laughs> else at the table as a player. I've had that happen when somebody's done that. And I'm like, I didn't suspect that. And now I don't get the full like wow moment. Well, in a play by post game, like you can have players be thinking that, and maybe you need to set a precedent. Like guys, if you think you're figuring something out, like role play it with your character. Don't, don't just put a statement on the like forums and say, this is this and surprise, surprise and ruin it for other people. Let them be immersed in the story. Let's get rid of metagaming. <laughs> well, the big part of that is if you, by and large, everyone will physically respond to that. So if you're the DM and someone gives something away, your face is going to show it. it. Unless you're a professional yeah. poker player, yep. uh, you're going to give away some clue. But on play-by-post, even if there is an out-of-character thread and someone does post that, you have no reaction. You don't have to post, oh, yeah, you were right. Whatever happens, happens. And so yep. the player's response is basically just him wildly guessing. Yeah, maybe <laughs> someone else will think, you know, you know, there's some merit to that. But then you can also go ahead and play devil's advocate if you really wanted to dumb things down. Because, again, there's no facial reaction to say whether you're lying yeah. or not. It's just what you're typing. Have you guys ever been in a spot as a DM at a real table experience and you'll be in a situation like, oh, there's three doors in front of you. Uh, what do you choose? And a player will be like, I'm going to choose the first door. And then like one of the players will be like, wait, wait, wait. he's smiling maniacally. Like <laughs> it's definitely something bad. And it's like your facial expressions give it away. And sometimes it's like your facial expressions are smiling because you know something else and it's, they're not actually reading you correctly. But that's that's so true. Like in a play by post gaming, you type out in front of you. There are three ominous doors. You know that one of these doors leads to the treasure that you seek and two of them to immediate doom like and there's no maniacal or like I just can't hold in the smile of like you're right or you're wrong. There's no reading that and that's that's really kind of cool in play by post gaming the inability to ask ask a question really is like well did you do this and you're like yeah. well now you know something's up i had to ask you so now you're like <laughs> hyper acute as or hyper aware of like what in the world is going on why mm -hmm. would he ask me if i cross the room like, <laughs> oh man well there went my trap the, tra yeah. the trap was awesome, too. It was a cage that drops out of the ceiling that has a skeleton inside. <laughs> and they're stuck in there with a the skeleton. But I had to I ask him, like, how did, how did you cross the room? And it's like, around the edge? Like, you, oh, fine. <laughs> it's, it's one of the things where being online pushes you to use digital tools. And digital tools, in a way, make you as the DM and you as the player more honest. Because... If you've got a digital dice roller where you can't control it, it just rolls. No one can accidentally nudge and go, well, my 18 was actually a 20, or my yep. critical fail was a 3. It That, can, <laughs> that can't happen online. 
or the classic you're constantly rolling dice because you're just practicing and then the one that lands on the 20 it's like well that was my real role. exactly you know, i was just, i was just practicing much. this whole time <laughs> and another big thing like you just said mapping a lot of people who uh who do play by post will use some mapping software or another that means that when you're moving your character around and someone moves them on the map you confirm that you moved him on the map. You can't go, well, actually, you know, the map from three turns ago, it should have actually looked like this because, well, you saw the map. You knew what it looked like. You should have made it a, you should have made a different decision back then. You can't change it now. I'm going to totally go the opposite way with that, too, is that for me, play-by-post gaming has moved me in a direction that I have gained such a love for theater of the mind. Sure. Because at a table, it's so easy to pull out a grid, to pull out minis. I I own a ton of minis. I love minis. My players love minis. But I have grown so in love with Theater of the Mind as well. And I think that stemmed first from the Twitter campaign I played and the the play-by-post game I played on Twitter because it was like, well, this is going to be really hard to do minis. Like, we don't want to do that. We're going to do Theater of the Mind. And in a play-by-post game you can really, once again, you have the time to think out describing battle in a way that's so entertaining. And at the table, as a DM, as a player, like I try to do that as much as I can. But when you're like on the spot, whether it's just you're tired or you're on the spot and you can't think of something right off the top of the head, I find myself as a DM, if I'm constantly trying to describe things, it's like, how many times am I going to say, and that guy gets stabbed in the chest and you pull your sword out and there's blood everywhere. It's like, but with play by post, you can take your time and really describe battle in a really entertaining way. It's like reading a great book. Yeah, it really is. That's, I mean, you said it before with you're building a story together and that is what we at the Dungeon Masters block are really trying to encourage all people who are playing role-playing games in any type of format to really strive to do. But I think there's something to be said about, uh, you know, you said it's like reading a really good book. It is like reading a really good book, play-by-post gaming, but it's kind of like writing a really good book together. Like it's co-writing a really amazing story together. And I love that so much. And, I got to point out one of my favorite things about play by post or online gaming in general, variety. I think mm. that is the biggest selling point for the internet in that my friends, my friends and I, we've done, we're big star Wars fans. So needless to say, we've done edge of the empire. Yeah. They, most of my friends, however, can, are pretty much completely done with the whole fantasy magic thing. So the odds of me playing D and D five with them is next to null. And, I got to play it online through D&D. I got to play Numenera. Yeah. I got to play all these other systems. And as a developer, I keep learning new systems because someone's like, can you add this game to the site? And that means hmm. I go and research it, and I figure out what it is, and then I figure out how to make a character shoot for it. And that means someone else who's never gotten to expose to that system either will now have an opportunity to get exposure to it. You get to try different styles of DMing, different styles of playing, theater of the mind, playing via a gridded map rather than uh, rather than having to think about it. Anything you can think of is a possible combination and is at your fingertips because you don't need to go out and find that person in real life where people in your local community might be a certain way. You can find someone yeah. online who will do it that way. So another pro that I thought of, and we had kind of mentioned it in a different way, 
using play by post to augment your RPG experience. We all kind of framed it in the idea of like, I play my home game and I also play Star Wars Edge of the Empire, which, you know, in kind of the reverse of what you had mentioned, Ro, was that like, I don't know that I would have been afforded that opportunity otherwise without play by post. But the other thing you can do is move the time between your games. I mean, myself is maybe a better example because I only have once a month games, but the time between those games into something like gamers playing hmm. or Facebook. Well, no, I know my players, something like gamers playing uh, <laughs> and using the downtime between sessions to continue the story, continue that social interaction and everything. And then when you are at the table, have that more geared towards fast paced battle maps, minis, everything that you want but then when it's a social setting or just just whatever, whenever, have it be on gamers playing or something like it in the interim so that the story progresses. The players continue to be involved and invested during that time when they're not playing and augmenting your RPG experience. I will actually mention one more in that, uh, like we were saying, you can do things that you wouldn't be otherwise able to do in real life. And this is obviously a little more focused on Gamers Plane. But for example, we have a character library and music library on Gamers Plane. And so when you're on a website, if they have access to resources that you might not think of immediately in real life, you can make use of that. If you've got access to music, you can try to incorporate music into your game. You know, the character library lets you look up NPCs or PCs and get ideas for how you might want something to go when you're kind of stuck in a place. And so the digital scope lets you think about things in a different way, and that lets you, in my opinion, be a better player in DM. So let's talk about that one last thing, that one pro, I think, to play-by-post gaming that I love because I am the king of it, splitting the party. One of the best things about play-by-post gaming is if there reaches a point where for your character for the story, for the DM, it makes sense to have the party split, whether that's half and half, everybody for himself, three groups, whatever it is. Splitting the party with play-by-post gaming is fantastic. Nobody's going to be sitting there at the table, like you said, Neil, losing time. Nobody's going to be sent in the other room. Nobody's going to be watching the other person's game and going... Like, I know what they did, even though my character doesn't know what they did, and then metagaming starts seeping in. But you can have, like, individual stories going on at the same time. And as, like, as a GM, if you're up for that, as a DM, if you're up for that, like, it can lead to some awesome moments where characters can develop on their own terms in ways that you can do at the table in real life. But the more that, like, you do that, at the table in real life, the more that it's hard for some DMs, it can lead to problems. D&D is in itself a, a, supposed to be a team game, and the more you see that happening, the more in real life that kind of becomes a problem. But in a in a play-by-post game, like you can have that happen on a somewhat regular basis and then bring the characters back together. And it's cool. It's really cool as a player to be like, I have no idea what they went through and I'm going to ask them in character and they're going to tell me. And and the cool thing with that is, too, that it's like, I don't know if they're telling me the truth. <laughs> that's that's actually a really good point in that play by post also is an active log of everything you've done. 
And so you can go back and look at stuff and be like, well, you know what? This is what happened, but do I really want them? Because you might have done something on a side mission or separately that you might not remember exactly right. Because, again, due to pacing, it might have been week, two, three weeks ago. But you might want to figure out, okay, what were the exact details that happened and how can I use that to RP better? What exactly do I want to tell the other members of the party? And so you can control the narrative in ways where otherwise you'd pretty much have to just be actively writing down or recording everything that happens in your game. Yeah, I love the ability, the how easy it is to split the party and, like you said, have a log of exactly what's happening. Because that's the problem. Like between the sessions, like I don't remember what guy A did when guy <laughs> B was doing this, and I forgot to write what guy C did. And the hesitancy as both, I think, DM and player, like it's just ingrained to not do it because of how difficult it is just from almost a mechanical or logistical standpoint at the table. But track with me for a second as an example of something that has happened at the table and how much better it could happen in a play-by-post scenario. Group of adventurers is in a dungeon and they step through and they're transported into a labyrinth. But all four of the party are in different places in the labyrinth. And you could, with play-by-post, have private messaging for each player going along, updating their personalized map, while you yourself as the DM have like kind of a group map following and finding when they reach each other. And when they do, two of them could now be in their own separate forum, eventually three are in that separate forum, and finally everyone is back together in the main forum of your play-by-post. That's not a thing. Like, how do you like? How do yeah. you implement that well, uh, at like a physical table compared to how well and uh, honestly easy air quote, which you can't see. Welcome to a podcast that <laughs> you could do it within something like Gamers Plane or <laughs> Facebook would be a little harder, but still doable in Twitter and all those other things. It's amazing because it once again gets into that immersive gameplay in the Twitter campaign I ran. We were in this desert country of my world and they were going into this canyon where in this canyon there were like spirits of the dead that at night would haunt the place and it was super dangerous. And so the party was sitting outside of the entrance to the canyon going like, what do we do? What's the plan? And they decided we're going to send the rogue. And so Flawful Jared, uh, one of our guests on the show, he was the rogue and he decides I'm going to go into the canyon alone because I can sneak and you guys will wait here and I will return in a couple hours. I'll see what I can find out. And so me and Flawful Jared started this messaging conversation and we had this really awesome like one player side quest thing where he went off and he almost died like by himself now if you're sitting around a table like i've seen it happen where the rogue has snuck off and i've seen it happen and as soon as the rogue is in trouble there's at least one player that's like well i think i would have waited to about the oh the exact time that he was in danger to run off and it's like they they come up with the reasoning in their head and it's like well maybe you're not but it's really hard to not just be like dude you're metagaming right now but we had this like awesome immersive experience where we i was still role playing with the guys back at camp and they were having conversation together 
and they legit did not know if the other player's character was going to come back or not. Like they were, they were really worried about it (laughs) and it was really immersive, but it was a beautiful thing that it is really hard to get that kind of, that kind of immersive gameplay sometimes at the table. Yeah. The online scope is just uh, so beautiful for things like that. Final thoughts about play by post gaming, Neil, start us off as my final thoughts. I think that if you haven't done play by post and you like, RPGs, which and it's just a weird thing that I would say that if you're listening to this, you'll like it enough. Go <laughs> do a play by post. Find it. Find, especially find a system that you haven't tried before and you've always wanted to. I think that's really the the best thing you could do is stepping out into the play by post world. Is getting an experience that you wouldn't be afforded any other way. Yeah, I think my final thoughts would be kind of along the same lines. If you haven't done it, try it. It is definitely different in some negative ways, but in some really positive ways. Roe said, it's like reading a book together. We realized together, no, no, no. It's like, it's like you're writing a book together. Go together with some, some friends or make some new friends. Go write a book together. Go make a story together through a play-by-post game. I think the big thing, if you've never tried play by post before, or if you've tried it and have been turned off by it, is finding something you're comfortable with. Be sure of what you're getting into. Bear in mind, you know, like we said, play by post is slower. You're not going to get the instant gratification that you would out of a real life experience. But what you'll get out of it instead is a much richer, deeper experience with your character and the other people in your particular game. As I've said many times, that's kind of what I'm hoping Gamers Plane is. It's a place where you get to meet people. You get to, you know, we have an introduction thread, and I encourage everyone to always put something up, because Mm -hmm. the first thing that's going to happen, you're going to get 10 responses, people welcoming you, asking you about your experiences, what it is you want to do. And that kind of friendly community, I think, is what makes play-by-post work, just like it would be in real life. You're going to have a lot more fun with people who are active and friendly and engaging you versus a group that's just kind of playing along because they want to play a game. Awesome. Hey, Ro, thank you so much for joining us today on the Dungeon Masters block. Definitely. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on, talking about play-by-post gaming a little bit. Uh, if you want to play a play-by-post game, listeners, go check out gamersplane.com. It is an awesome website, and it's the perfect place to start your play-by-post gaming. Uh, Ro, if our listeners want to contact you, if they have questions about play-by-post gaming, if they have questions about just uh, you and web developing or anything about you, where can they get in touch with you at? Where can they reach you at? Sure. So... I am super active on Twitter, and it's at GamersPlane. You can also, if you go to the website, there is a contact link. You're welcome to email me, and I'll get usually get back to you within a day or so. You can find me on Facebook and all sorts of other social media. But yeah, if you're active on Twitter, that's definitely, I will respond typically within the hour. So Awesome. Thanks again, Ro. We really appreciate having yes, you on. Thank you. Thank you, guys. And with that, 
let's head to the mailbag of holding. They have been asking for their mail on a daily basis. It's all they're talking about up there. That right there is the mail. Now let's talk about the mail. Can we talk about the mail, please, Mac? I'm dying to talk about the mail for you all day, okay? So welcome back to another mailbag of holding segment, the place where we share ideas, stories, and questions from you, the listener. And we have an email today. Chris, our email today is from, we've got another fun name. Squish Daddy. Squish Daddy Squish is the Daddy. one that this one is from. And he says, my question is, if you did an episode on it already, just point me to it. We have not done an episode specifically on this question you have. Uh, but I was wondering about the rules and techniques of homebrewing races and classes. Thank you again for your help and fantastic, fantastic podcast. Hashtag block party. So one of the things that I do with homebrewing something is I just one it, it it's something that i want to do so if it's a monster i kind of just let my, my my imagination run with it you know if you're looking for a specific challenge rating for it to line up with which i think is kind of frustrating for people sometimes to be like well i don't want this to be super overpowered without play testing it yet is you can look at creatures and what challenge ratings have those similar abilities or multi-attacks or whatever it is that you're looking to base that off of and that's kind of what they it's kind of what the the books point you to is base your homebrew stuff off of something that's already been created because it can give you the best guidelines for going forward for challenge ratings and things like that. So I think that would be one thing that that I would recommend doing if you're looking for rules to go with. But I think for techniques, like something that I I always go into is like if I'm going to homebrew something, is it something that I'm really interested in? Because at that point in time, I can just things can just flow from my mind, and I can just put them down. Like I, most times, if I'm homebrewing a class or a race or a creature or something, I just put it down. Like I just I write it down as something that this is something that would be really fun. It doesn't matter if it's super overpowered. Doesn't matter if it's really underpowered. I just write it down, and then I come back to it again later because I never get anything done in the in the first taking because whatever I do in the first taking usually is broken or not very powerful, and then. <laughs> I just base it off of other things. Like that's the biggest thing I do is just say, okay, in comparison to a level three ability that a monk or whatever gains, how would this feel in proportion to the power of what those other classes are giving? And if it doesn't feel too overpowered, I give it to him. If it doesn't feel too underpowered, I give it to him. And I think the thing that I do after that is just have people play test it. Like that's what I'm doing with races right now. Some pe- some of my friends are playing two races that I've created and as we're going through, I just ask them questions like, how did that feel? I kind of felt like this was broken a little bit. I feel like something was missing here. This doesn't make sense. What do you guys think? And I just, I have people play test them. I think that's a, that's a big part of creating anything that you do is have people play test it. Cause that'll give you a lot of the answers that you're looking for. I think we're talking about what are the techniques to making homebrew things ourselves. I think that races is a good place to start races or items, because I think those are the things that have the least amount of work put into them and are pretty simple to understand how to do it. Especially if we're talking 5e, you can look at a 5e race and go, okay, it has a it has a plus to an ability stat. It has a couple racial traits. Like, what are what would this race that I'm creating? What would be their pluses? What would be their racial racial traits that are okay? Let's look at how strong the racial traits are for all these races. It's got to be somewhere that's not game breaking. It's somewhere along those lines of racial stats. And so, an item also like you can come up with pretty simple items off the bat to create in your world. 
Uh, if we're getting into homebrew classes, 5th edition is leaps and bounds easier than making a 3.5 class. However, it is still a lot bigger of a task. So I would say my advice would be to start off with a race or with an item, and then you can move to monsters, and you can move to classes, and whatever it is that you want to move into. But I also think you want to uh, not bite off more than you can chew. So if you're playing in a homebrew world, and you say, we're starting in this country, start with the races that you decide. This is the races that are in the country that we're playing in right now. And yeah, I think, Chris, that having your players play test it would be a great idea. And I think that another thing you want to do is, as you have them play test it, explain to them, hey, this is something I've created. I want to see how it works. I want you to see how it works. And so please understand that if we go along and I have made something that is broken, that I'm going to change it so that it works more in the game. And so you as a player need to be okay with us kind of changing it a little bit if that if it comes down to it. As far as if this is him asking about what are like our techniques and our rules for allowing homebrew classes and races in our games, I know I used to, when I first DM'd, allow anything homebrew that wasn't at first glance ridiculous. Oh, you want to play a stone giant? No, <laughs> you're not playing a stone giant. But you want to play this weird thing that you found off of uh, the D&D Wikipedia site that I have no idea what it's about? Cool, go for it. And through that, I learned that there were a lot of things that at first glance didn't look broken, but were certainly broken, especially if you're talking classes. Like, I don't, as a DM, have time to read an entire class and to understand how it's going to work at at first level compared to 10th level. And so I've pulled back from that. And so I think both you and me now, we say, here's the campaign we're playing in right now. Here's the adventure we're playing in. And here are the options that I have said these are good for you to play in, and they and they make sense to what you're yes. what you're going after type thing too. Because yep. you're not gonna you're not going to say, all right, well here you can you can play an elf who is a ranger when you are doing underwater campaign where elves don't live if you don't have you know sea elves or whatever. And rangers, you know, you could you could do it, but maybe there are different classes that would work better for an underwater yeah. campaign type. You thing. Ca- you can do that kind of stuff, but. If you're going to pull something that doesn't make sense in the world or the the country or the land that you're playing in, it should definitely have an interesting backstory of how did this character end up here? So thank you very much, Squish Daddy. Once again, your name's awesome. We hope that that has answered some of your questions about what do we do when it comes to homebrewing races and classes and just homebrewing stuff in general. So thank you very much for your email. Well, we hope that you have enjoyed this episode of the Dungeon Master's Block. We once again want to thank Ro for coming on and just sharing with us all his knowledge and wisdom about play-by-post gaming and the pros and the cons. And uh, definitely check out GamersPlay.com. Definitely play some play-by-post games. They are awesome. Neil, if they want to reach out to us, if they have some uh, play-by-post gaming experiences they want to like tell us about, if they want to ask us anything about Dungeons & Dragons or anything geeky or just anything in general, where can they reach us at? The best way to do it is dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com. We're also over on iTunes, Stitcher, and now we're on Google Play. You can follow us on Twitter at DMS underscore block. That's at DMs block. You can also like our Facebook page. Both of those places have updates about the show and Dungeons and Dragons goodness all day, every day. We have a Patreon member of the week, and this week's Patreon member 
is Ryan Ortiz. Yeah, thank you, Ryan. We really appreciate it. Ryan is a dreaded bronze dragon, so that means that he's getting to enjoy all of the awesome bonus pods available to all of our Patreon dragons. Hours of content. Hours and hours of content and more to come as always. So thank you, Ryan. We really appreciate your support. Yes, thank you. And with that, we are closing things down here at the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come together to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person who is capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering all the egos of all the other players at the table. Keep on dungeon mastering. Wait, I thought you were going to say that. That's my line! <laughs> what was I supposed to say? You're supposed to make fun of Chris for his have a good night, everybody. Oh, gosh. Keep on dungeon mastering. Have a good afternoon. <laughs> See you guys later. Okay, bye. Goodbye.